I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, however you choose to identify, you have picked a great day to listen to Biscuits Calling a Hockey Podcast, the number one Ottawa Senators podcast on the internet. Don't know if that's true, can't confirm that, but I'm Dave Lozo, and I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend. I'm not here with him, actually. I'm, I'm nowhere near you. Where, where are you? Where are you right now? I am sitting in my dining room, mm. slash the Slash the Vice Sports Canadian head office. <laughs> oh. And I'm just looking out the window to see if I can see any Ottawa Senators zipping by on their way out of town because... Any moving trucks? I have not seen any yet. Hmm. I, I was expecting more just guys sprinting, maybe dragging a hockey bag and <laughs> figure the rest out later. It's been a busy morning. It's been a busy morning. It's been a busy... Uh, we, we were kind of on a bad run here at, uh, the biscuits colon, because every time we got done recording the last couple of weeks, something happened. And the worst thing happened last week, because right after we got done, that's when all the Mike Hoffman or Carlson, uh, girlfriend, cyberbullying stuff happened. And it hurt me physically because, you know, if we miss like a Rick Nash trade to Boston, Hey, we're not a Boston Bruins podcast. We we're not a New York Rangers podcast. We're an Ottawa Senators podcast. And we missed the biggest Ottawa Senators news by far of the year. And now we're here, luckily, hours after Mike Hoffman was traded, not once but twice, an untradable asset, a toxic asset. Two teams were like, I'll take him for at least an hour, no longer than an hour, but at least an hour. And then another team said, hey, yes, we'll take him as well for the next two years. And I got to tell you, um, Pierre Dorian, I I know he wasn't really in a good spot here. I know he wasn't going to get a top prospect in a first, but... Feels like he kind of, um, to, to borrow a line from uh, the classic uh, comedy, uh, Horrible Bosses, uh, it looks like he kind of got bent over a barrel and shown the 50 states and maybe and, and perhaps, and perhaps most of the provinces in Canada because that, that, it's, that's, 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 he's, he's now in the division. And that, apparently the whole thing was to not trade him within the division. And now, I don't know why that was a thing, but now he's in the division and he's got Michael Bodker for two years i don't know i it seems it seems it seems bad it seems bad to me my friend so so here's the deal first of all um we should point out we uh in 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 response to last week's debacle we made the decision to record today's podcast slightly later mm-hmm. just in case the ottawa senators tried to pull the same thing on us and sure enough they did they sure, they sure did 
Haha. Nice try, <laughs> Ottawa, but we had we were in, and so we should we should timestamp this. We are recording this. It is noon on Tuesday. So if anything big happened on Tuesday like afternoon that we don't mention, don't yell at us. It's not because we don't like your favorite team. It's because we can only do with stuff that has already happened. And yeah, the you know, I had my take all ready to go on the first Mike Hoffman trade, the mm-hmm. trade between the Senators and the Sharks. And my take was basically that obviously, just from a hockey perspective, it's a bad deal for Ottawa. It's a terrible deal. They didn't get anywhere near fair value. I think plenty of us have, have spent, I mean, there have been Hoffman trade rumors all year long, and, and many of us were kind of scratching our heads as to why that would be, given that you know we're, we're dealing with a pretty good player, pretty reasonable contract, all of those things. Um, last week's news about the situation with Eric Carlson uh, probably shed some light on on where those rumors might have been coming from. Yeah. But from from a hockey perspective, I mean, the, Mikel Bodker is, is, I mean, we, we could probably argue over whether that's a valuable asset to get back or whether it's it's just a bad contract. Didn't, I mean, didn't really get much of anything. But my take was going to be, look, we all know that the news about Mike Hoffman and his fiance and the Carlsons torpedoed his value. We, we we all knew that was going to be the case. And I was going to defend Pierre Dorian to say, look, everybody in the league knew that they were going to have to trade Mike Hoffman. If this is the best offer they got, then that's the best that they could do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had to move him. You wanted to move him quickly, preferably before you sit down and negotiate with, with Eric Carlson on, you know, if, if that even happens. So you take what you can get. And I was going to say, look, clearly this is the best they could get. And then an hour later, Doug Wilson goes out and gets better than that for the exact same player. So, uh, and I, there's been speculation that maybe Pierre Dorian didn't want to trade within the, in the, within the division. Dale Talon, I guess, has said that the Senators did contact Mike Hoffman, but that was a week ago. The price was too high. They didn't get into the draft pick scenario that ended up happening. So whether Ottawa didn't circle back because it was within the division or whether they just felt like the first conversations went poorly enough that there wasn't any point, um, this, I mean, this doesn't look good for Ottawa because now he's he's in the division. He, he, the Sharks got more for him than the Senators did. It It just, it doesn't. It doesn't work out well, even when you factor in that the guy's value was shot and that every GM in the league knew you had to trade him. You still, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the the weird thing about the division thing is, is that I think Hoffman has, he for sure has two more years left on his deal. That's it. And I don't know what Pierre Dorian thinks about his Ottawa Senators over the next two years, but they're probably not contending for anything. So... It's not as though having Mike Hoffman play four games, five games at most against you over the next uh, two seasons, so 10 games total, assuming Mike Hoffman doesn't get traded again in the next 42 minutes. I don't know why that would be such a... Like, I understand, like, maybe you don't want to trade Eric Carlson in your division. You don't want to trade Eric Carlson to to Tampa or Toronto, you know, even though he has one year left, because maybe he gets an extension there, and then you got to go against him. Okay, I can see that. You face him in the playoffs five years later. Yeah, right. I can see that. 
Um, but I think the only real consideration was the money because apparently the 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 contract swaps were not that much of a difference in terms of cap hit but of course Ottawa's looking to save money in terms of dollars and this this deal saves them a lot of money and now in theory I don't know what Eric Carlson would would do this for but now Ottawa can really 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 back up the truck to keep Eric Carlson I don't know again I don't know why in the world he would stay I don't know why more players on the Ottawa Senators aren't like wait the way to get out of here is to cyber bully someone on the team Hey, you want to uh, you want to make fun of Matthew Shane's hair on the internet for a little while so we can get traded to San Jose or Florida? That sounds like a better option to me. It's it's such a mess there. Why would he ever yeah. ever ever stay there? Well, that's and that's going to be the next question. Is you know I I, I I still assume that Eric Carlson will be traded. I, most people seem to assume that. Maybe not. Maybe maybe the Mike Hoffman situation was was the big one, and and now that that's resolved. He's more open to staying, but I, I don't think it is. I think the issues in Ottawa go much deeper. And I think it's certainly not a good sign that the Senators seem to keep putting this message out there that they are waiting until July 1st to negotiate and make an offer. When, of course, as we know, based on Oliver ekman Larson verbally agreeing to a deal, they, they could be having those conversations anytime. If I'm a Senators fan, every time I hear anyone in the organization or in the media suggests that they have to wait till July 1st to talk to Eric Carlson. That makes me very nervous because it's not true. And I would want to know why somebody was putting that out there. Um, But even, you know, once Eric Carlson, if he is traded, once that happens, what happens with Mark Stone? He's a free agent. He doesn't, he doesn't have a contract with this team. He's not unrestricted. He can't go wherever he wants, but he doesn't have a contract. Matthew Shane needs an extension. Starting on July 1st, you know, he's in the same boat as Eric Carlson. Does he want to come back? Remember, this guy forced his way out of Colorado because he wanted to win and he wanted to get back to the playoffs. Uh, you know, he if he was willing to do that to a team he had spent, uh, geez, what, like six six years with, why would we assume he wouldn't do it to a team that he had spent six months with? Uh, you know, th- like the number of scenarios here that are in play for the Senators and the percentage of those that are not good is is pretty pretty upsetting if you're a Sens fan. I mean, I, I saw somebody point out, like, we literally could be in a situation roughly a year from now in which Matt Duchesne is about to leave Ottawa as an unrestricted free agent. He's about to walk away for nothing because his contract's up at the end of next season at the same moment when the Colorado Avalanche are using the Ottawa Senators draft pick <laughs> that they gave up for Matt Duchesne, which could be, I mean, it could be the first overall pick. That could be Jack Hughes right there. So I I mean, there, there's a million different ways we could discuss this. Virtually none of them are good for Ottawa unless, like I say, unless Mike Hoffman was the problem with Eric Carlson and now that he's gone, Carlson says, okay, I'm ready to talk. Let's sit down and, and work out an extension, and then maybe the rest of this falls into place. Maybe. I don't know, I don't man. Know. Like, I, with, with the Mark Stone thing, like, I would be afraid of having the Shea Weber thing happen where he's so desperate to get out that, you know, he comes up with some crazy RFA contract that's heavily front loaded or something, and he thinks yep. he's going to get out. And then next if, thing you if know, there has ever been in. a player that seems like a, offer sheet target in the making 
Mark Stone would be the guy. And and I know he has to sign it, and I know we just don't do offer sheets in this league anymore. But, you know, star player, rebuilding team with financial problems, that is the exact situation that that you would take a swing at. So, But but if, if they don't sign Eric Carlson, they're going to have a ton of money to actually spend not like a ton of money in terms of like spending to the cap but they're they're gonna have more money now than because they'll have money yeah right and they have an owner who would probably view that as some sort of you know affront to his manhood and have to match the offer so i don't i'm not saying i think it would work but i don't know but i i I mean if you're and i know other people have mentioned this if you're the colorado avalanche why wouldn't you offer sheet mark stone Knowing that sure. whether sure. whether whether you whether you get him and and get him out of Ottawa or whether you force Ottawa to pay more than they want, you're weakening the Senators and you own their first round pick. I I don't I don't I don't think any of that will happen. What do you do if you're the Senators now with that fourth overall pick in this year's draft? Well, because the the deal is is that they could they could give it back right because right they they owe the avalanche gonna... either this year's first round pick which we know is going to be fourth overall or next year's first round pick which could be anywhere i mean it, it, i wouldn't say anywhere probably somewhere between one two and three <laughs> well but that's but that's the thing it it won't be because even if you think the senators are going to be the worst team in the league next year and i mean hopefully what happened this year with Colorado and Vegas and New Jersey. And I mean, that, that should have dissuaded us from thinking we can, yeah, we can, you know, know, authoritatively say a team's going to be bad. Even if you think they're going to finish dead last, the odds are still that they will pick fourth overall because right. of the way the lottery works. They'll because drop three spots. Lottery. It's like a 55% chance, let alone if they just win a couple of extra games, move up even a couple of spots, you know, the, the chances of that being a top three pick are, Definitely less than fifty percent, and they get smaller the further up the standings they go. You see, like, but this is another reason why you would think they'd want to handle the Eric Carlson thing as soon as possible. Because if they know they're not going to have Eric Carlson before the draft, and they're going to be an Eric Carlsonless team at the start of next year, you may as well just say, "All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna for sure be one of the two worst teams in the league next year." Maybe we give up the fourth pick now, and but but at the same time though, like Pierre Dorian, if he's the kind of guy who says I don't want to trade within my division, I want to limit my marketplace to twenty four teams instead of all thirty one or thirty, obviously. He probably seems like the kind of guy who doesn't want to, you know, quote send the message to the team that we're going to be bad next year. Yeah. I don't, want, and that's the dumbest thing to do. Well, like you need to be but realistic. You know what? It's it's not just sending the message to the team. It's sending message to the fans. I mean, how do you? I mean, I don't know how you sell season tickets today oh. in Ottawa. Let alone how do you do it? Right. If it's your over. team has just said there's a really good chance we're going to finish dead last, and that's always been the question in Ottawa. I, you know, people outside the city might not realize it. You know, this is a, a decent hockey town, but we've had other sports here. We've had other leagues that have not gone well. We had a we had a AAA baseball team. Won a championship in the mid '90s. The Lynx, right? The Lynx, the Ottawa Lynx. They were had had good attendance. You know, it was it was a big success. Then the team wasn't good anymore, and the fans stopped coming, and the team left. We we have a CFL team, Canadian Football League here, has done well. They won a championship, and you know that it's it's going well, and people people are uh, are on board right now. But this city has lost two other CFL teams in the past. 
partly because they were terribly managed, but also partly because they weren't very good. And, you know, there's always been this concern that in Ottawa, the fans are there for you win or draw. And that when you start losing, the fans check out. And we've never really tested that with the Senators. The Senators haven't been this bad since the mid-90s when they were an expansion team and they were terrible for four or five years. And ever since, they've been either a playoff team or at least kind of in that playoff hunt. You know, they've they've never had the sort of season that people seem to think they might have next year and that they did have this year. There's, you know, a lot of concern that when people say, you know what, blow it all up and refocus on 2020. I I don't know. But it's I, not it's not even blowing it up. They're going to do that. They, they, they almost have no choice. It's not as though it's an active choice to, to blow it up. Like once the Hoffman thing happened, he was gone. Eric Carlson was probably going to be gone either way, whether or not Mike Hoffman and his girlfriend were good people or, or crazy cyber bullies, whichever one of those two people they actually are. Like they, those two guys are probably going to be gone. And once those two guys are gone, Matthew Shane's got to say to himself, well, apparently the most important thing in the world for a hockey player is to live three hours from the town he grew up in when he was 14 years old as a 27-year-old man. That's a really important thing. But maybe it's not as important when the team you're on is going to be super duper bad for the next two, three years. Yeah. So, also, by the way, people care whether or not a minor league baseball team is good. I figured you just go because it's cheap and it's fun and it's baseball. Like, I don't really, I've never been to a minor league well, game it, where it, I was it, like, is this team good? It turns That's out the, that the number of people in Ottawa who will go just because it's fun and cheap is not enough to keep hmm. Interesting. Teams in town. But yeah, but the Senators to me, like, like people got mad and I was like, you, just, just, just let them relocate. And people were like, oh yeah, that's really going to solve their problems. Like, no, it's not going to solve their problems. It's going to solve your problems because you're not going to have to care about this team that does not care the least about you with an owner that absolutely just despises your existence, who just sees you as a big, a big organ donation pool. And the second he gets the organ says, well, we're like a McDonald's. We're going to have to relocate if we don't get more people buying cheeseburgers. Like, no, screw that guy. Like, let, let him go. Like, let, let, let something else enter your life if if they're if if it's that miserable and it's going to be that bad and they don't have any interest in you know building a good team for whatever reason whether it's the the debt that's been there forever or whether it's just an owner that's bitter and doesn't want to spend any money like it's 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 okay the the, the, the red blacks they, they they won the cfl title this year is that true i didn't realize that go to those games that's fun there's yeah. rouge, there's rouges and there's there's downs right there's like two downs or something i don't know how canadian football <laughs> works but it seems like it's more fun than going to an ottawa senators game is all i'm saying it, these <sighs> days it probably is and and that's the thing you know like you look at the last year in ottawa you had melnick saying he might move the team you had the team face planning and being terrible you had the Hoffman Carlson situation. So much stuff. You got the Randy Lee situation. The AGM, yeah, Randy really Lee talked about. You know all of this stuff, and <sighs> you know on the surface, none of this stuff is related. Like these are all separate incidents, and one doesn't have to do with the other. But they all kind of fall back under that situation of Eugene Melnick getting up in front of the media, mm-hmm. and he wasn't cornered. He wasn't right. taken out of context. <laughs> he was in a media scrum and saying, "I might move the team," and it was you know like. Uh, anything else maybe not all of it together but any of the rest of the stuff individually as as bad as it all is if if the melnick thing hadn't happened fans will will always want to give their hometown team the benefit of the doubt right and they will bend over backwards to excuse things they will bend over backwards to to look on the positive side of things and what i think people need to understand is in ottawa like Melnick's comments just torpedoed that that trust and that benefit of the doubt to the point where when other things start going wrong, 
you know, you really don't see many of those Senator fans who, you know, can just always put on the rose-colored glasses and find find the positive in anything. They're not out there because they don't, you know, they feel like this team kind of kicked them in the gut, so they're not looking to, to help out. So I don't know. I mean, the, the I'm I'm really fascinated by the situation with the draft pick. I really want to see what they do because they've they've basically got three options. Number one is you just take this pick, you use it. It's top four pick. It's probably you know going to be a better pick than next year's, although not necessarily. Take it, draft somebody good, put that person in the lineup, sell some tickets that way, and hope for the best next year. That's option number one. Option two is you bite the bullet. You do what I, I think Elliot Friedman suggested this this week, which is you say, you know, we're just going to pay the piper now. We want this over with. We're trying to start fresh. That means we we give up this year's pick and we take next year's, even knowing that it might be a, be a worse pick. Hmm. Option three, which is the one that not a lot of people are talking about, but I think might be the most realistic one. Blow up the team you, and don't have a team anymore, so you can't have the pick. No. And then option four... <laughs> And the other the other option is you go back to Colorado and say let's let's work out a deal, let's let's figure out a way that we can, you know, that we can make this work. Which is either, you know, there's there's different scenarios. You could say, for example, you know, Pierre Dorian could call up Joe Sack and say, look, this year's pick is number four. Next year's pick, we don't know what it's going to be. It's probably going to be number four or later. This year's pick has more value if, if only because it's right now. Make it worth my while to give you this pick. You know, give me something. Cough up a draft pick. Give me something that I can go back to my owner and my fans and look like I got something to give you this pick, and then we wash our hands of it, and it's done. Like when Canada negotiates with the U.S. on that episode of South Park, when like Canada goes on strike. You ever, ever see that episode? It's exactly yeah. like that. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. It would be exactly. <laughs> but like, if exactly you're Col- if you're Colorado though, like, don't you want to not be bothered by this at this point? Don't you have other maybe. things going on in your life? You're like, well, you, and, we made a trade. Leave thing. me alone. And, you know, they, maybe not, and maybe you just. But I mean. To me, if you're Joe Sackey, you're going to listen. You're going to say, okay, well, what is it? You know, I, I know I've got these guys over the barrel, so to speak. So, you know, what what can I do? Because the other situation that, and I, I sort of threw this out on, on Twitter today, was, you know, you go to, if you're Pierre Duran, you go to Joe Sackick and say, okay, I'm I'm keeping this year's pick. I'm giving you next year's pick. But I want I want to buy lottery insurance on that pick in case it ends up being a top three pick. What would it cost me right now? to buy insurance that says if that ends up being a top three pick, you get the 2020 pick instead. Hmm. And I'll tell you right now, it wouldn't be cheap because this is this is like buying car insurance after you've already wrecked the car. <laughs> you haven't taken it to the mechanic. You don't know whether it's totaled or whether it's it's salvageable, but it's it's bad. So it's not, you know, you're not getting, you know, Joe Sackick isn't going to give you insurance for a seventh round pick. It's going to cost you something, right. and something that's going to hurt. And it's, and it's going to be a situation where, you might have to give that something up and then the pick ends up being number six and you gave up something for literally nothing at all other than insurance and peace of mind. But I think that's a scenario where, you know, it, it at least avoids the worst case scenario of going through a terrible year next year, knowing you don't have your first round pick and knowing that you've, you've literally got nothing to look forward to at the end of that road. Cause I've done that as a Leaf fan more than a few times and it sucks. And it's yeah, like it's, it's the it's, worst it's way so to go bad. through a season. Like to be to be as bad as Ottawa is probably going to be next year, and not have the pick to look forward to. Yeah. So you say why? You know why would Colorado do it? It's kind of like 
you know, to my mind, it's, it's, it's basically like hedging your bet. It's like, if you've got a, a Vegas betting slip where you bet on some terrible team to win a championship and then halfway through the season, they're doing better than expected. You know, you can just ride that and hope you win the jackpot or you can start hedging against that bet to make sure you get something so that you're going to come out ahead, you know, and again, I, what would it be worth? That, that's Cowards. that's what's kind of fascinating to me because I don't know what that sort of insurance costs. I know how much I know what a third line winger costs in this league. I know what renting, you know, a second line center for the playoff run costs. Like we have established prices for those. I don't know what it would cost to to work out, you know, buying insurance on a pick that you owe to some other team. I, I have no idea, but I think it would be really interesting to see. See them try. And you're right. The chances are Colorado says, you know what? No, or we're going to make it so ridiculous. It's not going to be worth your while. But I do think there are there are scenarios there that could actually work for both of those teams where Colorado gets something in their pocket right now, potentially, you know, still get something very good down the line. And Ottawa gets a little bit of peace of mind that at the very least they can sell back to to the fan base because... The other piece of this is, you know, we're we're looking at this as, well, what should the Senators do? What's best for the Senators? Pierre Dorian has to look at what's best for the Senators, but also what's best for Pierre Dorian. Because if Pierre Dorian gets fired, because this all goes completely belly up, I don't think there's a long lineup of teams looking to hand him a GM's job <laughs> right away. I don't think this is a Lou Lamorello situation where someone's jumping hey, right in. So, Pierre, Pierre Dorian, aren't you the guy that... Uh, called and tried to subscribe to AAA after his car broke down on the side of the road. Well, yeah, I thought that would be the great way to go about fixing the car for free, you know, because it's, 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 I didn't realize the car was going to break uh, down. I think if I'm it's... Ottawa, I, I would, I, I like the idea of just letting them take the fourth pick this way. Yeah, like maybe the pick ends up being worse next year. Maybe you wind up picking fifth or sixth, but you're right. Because of the lottery, you can't really insure anything. And, you... You can't. You, ha- you have to know you're going to be bad next year, so you want to give your fans at least, you like at least like when Buffalo is bad, bad but... fans could cheer for losses for tanking because they were going after Connor yeah. McDavid. Like if you don't even give I mean, them if, that, like you're. If you're, the Colorado you're Avalanche can finish with 95 points or whatever it was, and the Vegas Golden Knights can go to the Stanley Cup, like anyone who says the Senators are definitely going to be bad next year, like I don't. Ah, uh, I'm know, not willing to. Like to I, I mean, are, can we really rule out that the Senators, that the Senators finish like 25th? Overall next year, you know, that there's five teams worse than them or six teams worse than them. They finished 25th. A couple of teams pass them in the lottery and now they're holding the ninth pick, you know, like. Or could go the other way. Gambling, baby. Let's gamble next year. That's it. It's gamble. But what are you gambling with? That's why why I'm willing to hedge. The only time I'm willing to hedge is if, like, let's say I do like a three-team parlay and I hit the first two teams. Like, if there's a way to hedge the third game where I guarantee some money, I'll do it. But, right. like, if I'm going long haul, if I'm saying Vegas is going to win the cup and here's 100 bucks, like, maybe I'll hedge in the Stanley Cup final. But I won't I won't do it well, until I have to. You certainly would hope that – well, but that's the thing. You don't know when you have to, right? I mean, yeah. if, if, if I had a Vegas to win the cup at 100 to 1, I would have been looking to hedge that as soon as – I got it in the playoffs, you know, and maybe a little more each round. And I probably, and, you know, if I had done that, I would have wound up ahead of the guy who said, no, I'm going to ride it all the way and watch him try to win the Stanley Cup. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a no-lose situation for Colorado, and that's that's obvious. I guess the other point we should, we should mention, I mean, even though this is a Senators podcast, is just to recognize how beautifully this worked out for Doug Wilson and the Sharks. 
Yeah. I mean, that's... They're in a good spot. Frank, Frank Saravelli tweeted it. He's Doug Wilson trades Mikel Butker and a six-round pick, and he gets a second, a fourth, two-fifths, four million in cap space, and six million in actual dollar savings. All of that for Mikel Butker, who he, he may not have wanted. Like, he may have been happy. He may have viewed oh, for sure. taking him off the roster as a as an asset. I, I'll tell you, as a Leafs fan, I was when the first trade went down, I was happy because the Sharks have got all this cap space. And I was like, good, spend it on something that's not John Tavares or whoever else or Joe Thornton. Or Now they've got even more, even more cap space. They're loading up for something. I'll tell you right now, if John Tavares, because I saw this, I think it was last week, about how John Tavares has been negotiating with the Islanders every day for like the last week or whatever. I swear to God, if he signs before he gets to free agency and can look around at other teams... Like just let's just end free agency. Let's just stop having it because what's the point then? If you're not, if John Tavares of all people, who is going to be the bell of the ball, is that still a thing people say? Does anyone know what a ball is? I don't know. If you're going to be the 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 something of the of the thing that's really coveted, you you need to go. You need to go check it out for yourself. Yep. You need to be like, hey, what's going on? Like, oh, maybe you just come in and get like like if you're like a top recruit. And you just go to your state school. Like, you're an idiot. You need to go see what Notre Dame and USC and all these schools have. Like, John Tavares is that guy now. He needs to see yes. if San Jose's there, got something no for him. There's no reason for him to not at least do a stamp coast and just, I mean, right. it's, we're, what, a week away. Uh, you know, because it's, it's the five days before July 1 where teams can talk. I, I don't, I can't imagine why you wouldn't. It's got to be fascinating because I'm sure he's like, you know, you got to be dodging Lou Lamorello's calls and his age is probably like, go camping this weekend, man. You need to be off the grid <laughs> so that I can plausibly tell them that you can't be reached so that we can get to that point. And then, you know what? Go into those meetings with Toronto and San Jose and whoever else with all the details of the Islanders offer in your mind. And yeah, maybe you pull a Stamkos and after you've seen what's out there, you go, nope, I'm happy where I'm at. But yeah, you're, I would agree. If he signs now, don't Even it, I mean, oh. you know, because because really, what's the scenario where that makes sense? The only way that makes sense is if Lula Amorello makes him some crazy offer and says this offer expires yeah. tomorrow. Right. But if he does that, okay, so now you're playing hardball with me. Like I know this is how you're going to get me to stay. Like he, he's got all the cards, so he has no leverage. Lou has no like. And, and imagine like you're Barry Trotz. All you're doing is just like leaving voicemails on John Tavares's phone. Hey, what's up, Barry? Again, just checking in to see what you're thinking. Uh, no pressure. Yeah. Just give me a call back anytime. I'll be at a hotel in Newark for the next uh, 11 days. All right. See ya. <laughs> Bye. All right. We yeah. should get to Barry Trotz. So do you want to do the break now and then we'll... Yeah, let's break. Let's we'll break. We'll come back. We'll do Barry Trotz. We'll do uh, Alex Galchenyuk for Max Maximus Adomi. And uh, of course, we'll get to the Sedins before the show's over. And uh, stay tuned. We're coming back in like two seconds. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, we're back. And uh, 
Mike Hoffman has been traded three more times since we took the commercial break. Uh, he he's is back now in playing in Germany. He's, he's now the German League's uh, number one goaltender playing for the Dusseldorf Hasselhoffs. So congratulations to that that team over there. You got yourself a really good player. Um, but here stateside, I'm, I'm surprised about the Barry Trotz thing, only in that the Caps weren't willing to pay him the reported five years, $5 million thing because... I don't know. Like I just, yeah, but they got their guy. They yeah. They, I, know. I mean, they were Brian McClellan had made his mind up. I think that he was making this change. Oh, a year ago. A year ago. Oh yeah. So for sure. I mean, but, and I mean, it was all set change. up. So, but yeah, this is the and and we should just make if if people didn't hear the story that you know it's not it's the the surprise here isn't that Barry Trotz resigned. It's that Barry Trotz could resign because we thought his contract was up or was going to be up on July first which would basically make him a free agent. But then we come to find out that all along there had been this secret extension that if the Capitals won the Cup, he got two more years at a rate that it turned out was was not very good. It was probably, you know, I guess he must have signed this four years ago. This is before Babcock and Quenville and everyone right. bumped the salary scale up. So he doesn't like that, you know, he's now locked in for two more years at this at this contract and in theory the capitals could hold him to that but he wants to move on they want to move on but yeah i mean i guess he went back to them and said no i want joel quenville type money and they said no because we've got todd reardon ready to take over and off you go so now barry trotz is a free agent in a league where there's only one coaching vacancy but for now for now because at four o'clock, t- at four o'clock today, there's going to be three coaches fired, and we're going to have to come. Sorry, guys, po- podcast is up. We missed the John Cooper uh, <laughs> firing. We missed the we missed the, Bill, the Pete DeBoer firing. We're sorry. Just assume yeah. we assume we didn't assume we like those moves. I just so like, does he go to the Islanders? I does I mean, he just is he? The, I, I mean, mean is the simple answer the right one? That's weird because of all the teams in the league, the Islanders were, were the ones that were the cheapest with their coach because they paid, um, I mean, Doug Waite, I'm assuming, wasn't really getting too much money. Jack Capuano was reportedly the lowest paid coach in the league. So that's an organization that's not really known for ponying up the bucks for a coach. And at the same time, though, like, I, like, Barry Trotz, like, like I, I understand that you don't want to maybe be married to a coach for five years in the cap situation where, you know, by the time that contract's up, Ovechkin's whatever, 37, same thing, Backstrom, everyone's going to be older. And But, like, if you're a coach and for the last four years you've won two President's Trophies, you get the most wins, most points of any coach the last four years, and you won the Stanley Cup the, the final year of your contract, or the, I guess the fourth year of the potential six-year deal, but in what becomes the final year of the contract, I, I just... I, 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 to me, if if like like imagine if before the year, instead of being in love with Todd Reardon, the Caps were like, "Look, you've done a great job here these first three years. We don't blame you for these second round losses. We know you're one of the best coaches out there. Let's give you a, a four year, sixteen million dollar extension." I mean, he would take that, right? Like like Barry Trotz would have thought twice about that sort of deal, right? And now, once he adds the Stanley Cup to it, they they still don't want him. They 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 just feel Todd Reardon's the guy. I don't know. I just I I feel like maybe you wanted to kind of adjust to your mindset once you saw what happened here the fourth year of the deal. But 
I don't know, man. I, I, if I'm Barry Trotz, I, like I get it. Like you, you don't want to, you know, be super underpaid in the place where you just won the Stanley Cup. But are you just going to go to the Islanders out of spite because it's the only opening? Or are you going to wait a full well, year? That's now? it. Ugh, I, don't know. I, I, I get why Trotz would walk away, especially if he felt like for sure, you know, they were they were fine. You know, it's kind of that thing where you're you're leaving your spouse and you're at the door with the bags packed, going like, I, "That's it, I'm gone." Unless you talk me out of this, and they're like, "All right." Don't forget your umbrella. Like you're, they're not trying very yeah. hard to keep you. So both sides checked out mentally it. a year ago. Like I get it. I but, totally get it. But then you, you know, to leave that and immediately move in with like, <laughs> I don't know, the <laughs> Islanders. When John Tavares is moving out, like two days later. Well, that's it. You know, is this? And it's this again. It's this fun situation where if you're Lou Lamarillo, you're probably, you know, assu- I'm, I'm assuming it, that at the very least the Islanders are making an offer to Barry Trotz. I feel like that's that's pretty safe assumption. You want him to take it soon. You want him to take it ASAP because that's going to be your sign to John Tavares that you're serious about turning this around. But if you're Barry Trotz, you're kind of like, I would like to see what John Tavares is going to do first because I don't feel like this. I don't feel like the Islanders, even with John Tavares, are one of the most attractive jobs in the league. And without him... I mean, there's got to be something else opening up, or maybe you just go. You know what? I've, I'm going to take my cup ring and I'm going to go on vacation for a little while and check back in halfway through the season, and maybe we'll get a coach fired during the season this year. Hmm. I like don't is, know. Is, is there a team right now that would pull the the Bruce Boudreau, um, you know, immediate mm-hmm. firing to hire Bruce Bruce Boudreau yeah. kind of a thing? Like, I'm trying to think of a team that would do it, and I, I'm. I've I've turned on John Cooper for so for sure. So obviously I think that's what Tampa should do. But um yeah. beyond I mean, that, obviously like, the team that would pull the Bruce Boudreaux move would be the team that has Bruce Boudreaux right now. And yeah, but that's, that's not a great Minnesota spot new new GM. What else? Who else could it be? Yeah. Nashville? I mean, would you fire Peter Laviolette at this point? No, no. Is, no. is Barry Trotz getting you over the over the hump back back home in Nashville again? Like, no. you can't do that. Yeah, like he's I mean, kind there's of, there's other ones, stuck. I'm sure. Yeah, there's, you know, there's there's probably going to be other, and I mean, again, and this is kind of where that weird hockey loyalty of, well, you know, we got this new coach, it's only been a year. Yeah, do you, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the Sabres, are you going to ride out the Phil Housley thing, or <laughs> do you say, you know what, we're going to bring him, or do you even go to Phil Housley and say, hey, Phil, remember when you were an assistant under Barry Trotz in Nashville? Hmm. Guess what? We need you to do that again, and we're going to keep paying you because Terry Bagula's got all the money, so we'll, we'll pay you your head coach salary, but I like it. we need you to move aside. I don't know. There's any number of... Does Detroit need a second pool boy? Maybe we can... <laughs> just a coaching all-star. It's just the entire... Reassemble like the Team Canada coaches <laughs> behind Dan, Jeff Blasio. Dan, ba- Dan Bowsman and Barry Trotz shirtless, just cleaning the pool with the, the little net thing there. Like, Hey, Jeff. How's it going? You look you you look tired. Why don't you go inside? Let 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 me and Dan work out here. Don't worry, don't worry. Everything's gonna be good. Did we tell you practice oh, was at man. ten? No, it was at nine. Sorry, we <laughs> we've already been putting the finishing touches on this power play. We'll, <sighs> we'll catch you up. So yeah, so yeah, that was. I wouldn't. I wouldn't was, go to the Islanders if I'm Barry Trotz. I would. I would I hold out and see if anyone's willing to 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 guillotine one of their current coaches. By the way, this is completely off topic, but I was just looking over stuff for the the buyout period. If Tampa buys out Dan Girardi and Ryan Callahan, because they have two years left on their deals, they will save approximately five million dollars on the cap this year, and I think two million next year, and then they'll be one point five in dead money three years from now. 
So just hypothetically, if you're looking to create some John Tavares room, that, that's that could be a way to go. I'm I'm just yep. I'm just I'm just I, saying. I, honestly, one thing we are learning as we go in this kind of cap era, because I feel like the first almost the first ten years of the cap era, like nobody had really figured it out. But as teams are figuring it out, like it is easier to make cap room and easier to get out of contracts than than we think. Yeah. Like I'm having to sort of revisit some of my assumptions around who's untradeable and you know you look at certain teams and you go oh you you guys are screwed for the next five years on the cap and it's like are they yeah not really. you know two years later you're like oh they look at that they they wriggled out of it so like if yeah, you told me that, if you told me i could have five million in cap space this year my punishment would be three years from now having 1.5 in dead space like who knows what the cap's going to be in three years like 1.5 exactly. million might be nothing i wouldn't worry about that three years from now i'm a cup team i, I gotta worry because because tampa has to not has to but they're going to lose Oh, who is it again? Uh, Ryan McDonough, Anton Strahlman, they're both going to be UFAs. They're going to have to sign Yanni Gord. They're going to have to sign um, uh, Nikita Kucherov. Like, they've got some key guys they got to sign. So it's not that the window closes after this year. This is coming up, like, year. In, like, next year yeah. and beyond. Yeah. They're going to be in some hot water next summer, so you may as well go all in and get, get rid of the $6 million or the $5 million guy or the $6 million guy that's got four goals and, and maybe not use him constantly in the playoffs next year. I'm so mad about how Tampa blew I don't think Tampa blowing it this year is getting enough coverage because everyone's so like, oh, it's the Caps year of Ovechkin. Yeah, but it, it probably shouldn't have been if John Cooper was was managing his minutes properly and Especially Steve Eisman wasn't throwing money at Dan Girardi. But I'm over it. Yeah. I'm not even a Tampa fan. I'm over it. I'm fine. I'm good. Okay, good. I'm glad. The, the other thing that, that's kind of related to that that I guess we should just briefly mention because we've talked to Veras a few times, but there was uh, Bob McKenzie tweeted out this week that if if John Tavares does make it to free agency, that and and presumably he would, the Leafs would be one of the teams he might talk to. That uh, he had some insight into what that approach might look like. And the most interesting thing he said was that I, I don't have the tweet in front of me. I, I don't know his exact words, but he basically suggested that the Leafs might be willing to put something creative on the table. Mm, I love that. Which is interesting because. Like a painting the way NHL or like contracts a, like a poem work, or a, or, yeah, or a book. there's not like you know, I'm thinking a cake maybe, <laughs> but no, the way NHL contracts work, there's not a lot of room for creativity. Like you can't, you know, you they're they're called you know standard player contracts. They're pretty standard. There isn't you know, and and a lot of the things you do, you know, front loading a contract to me isn't creative. That's pretty much business as usual. Mm-hmm. Putting bonuses in. That's that's standard, you know, no trade clauses in that, that's standard stuff. So you're kind of left going, well, what would what would he mean by creative? And this being Bob McKenzie, I mean, he's not he's not gonna just pull this out of nowhere. He must have heard from somebody that this could be being worked on. And the one thing that comes to mind when you hear about a creative offer is could we actually see what we've talked about a few times in recent shows, which is somebody offering the one year max deal. 16 million come play for the Toronto. I mean, the Leafs would be the perfect team to do it because they've got the cap room for one more year. Right. Come play in Toronto, max max deal, 16 years, or sorry, one year, 16 million. <laughs> you get. That'd be creative. That would be creative. Yeah, we're going to sign you to a deal that is not allowed under the CBA. We're creative. Uh, it's not yeah, 16 Kyle years, it's eight two damn, year deals. It's not 16. Damn millennials were just refuse to respect the rules. <laughs> No, they offer him the one year and, you know, 
and then and then you wonder, okay, well, what comes with that? Is it come here for one year, let's try to win a cup, and then you go into free agency again as the highest paid player ever? Is it come to Toronto for one year and if see how you like it, and if you're enjoying it, we talk extension halfway through the season? Or is it come to Toronto, sign for one year, and wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we've also got an eight-year deal to come after that at a lower cap hit, which would be blatant cap circumvention, but... Who cares? It'd be creative. That would, I mean, that would be creative. That, so, that's, that would be a new form of cap circumvention we haven't seen. So that is creative. I would define I, that I would creative. like to see and pl- and plus, something like that from somebody. And I think, you know, the Leafs are the team that it makes the most the most sense for. I don't know, you know, does it make sense to do that if you're Tavares? I mean, we've talked about it. You make more money that way, but, you know, is that... And, you know, and it's it's the LeBron James approach. And if, if it's good for LeBron, you think it would be good for NHL players, but maybe not. He might just say, you know what, like it's quite possible John Tavares right now is sitting here dealing with Lou Lamorello and dealing and going, you know what, I hate this. I hate every second of this. I want it to go away. <laughs> yeah, I'm never doing this again. Get me in. I don't care where I sign. I want the maximum amount of time and I don't want to deal with this again for seven years. So, I'm sure the Islanders know. would probably trade him to whoever was going to sign him to get the eighth year out of it so they can get like a Maybe. fifth round pick or something. But yeah. Well, would they? If it's Toronto? Yeah. Lou Lamarillo wants to uh Yeah, that's true too. help John Tavares and the Toronto Maple Leafs in one shot. Do you think like do you think like the front office has been just like letting their hair grow the last three weeks? Like no one's gotten a shave or a haircut in like yeah. a month. Like like Kyle just Dubas a, is just like a complete like, like a hippie right now. Just hair's hippies. all grown. I don't know. Out. I don't know if Kyle Dubas could grow a beard, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's got he's got some thick locks up top, maybe maybe Did you see his uh his Calder Cup celebration with when the Toronto Marlies won. Yeah, he was pretty pumped. He was pretty. He, he was, was pretty a, a solid celebration. He's uh, all right. It's I mean, pump. it's not Ovechkin. I didn't. I didn't see him swimming in a fountain or anything. But I mean, yeah, he he might have been doing like some push-ups in like the, the the Texas area after the game, like in some in some some ponds or something. It's hot in Texas. It's like ninety eight degrees. I'm going to Dallas in two days. Like I've been checking the weather all week. I'm 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 too pale, man. I'm gonna melt. I'm gonna I'm gonna die in Texas over the weekend for the draft. Going to Dallas for the NHL draft. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, yeah, well, we got, we got like I, I heard here. I I saw that I saw you tweeted something about doing a live podcast. So I didn't I didn't even know about that. But I guess I got to go down too now. And that's oh oh oh. So I, I oh, booked my flight. It was you, you, non-refundable, but it was. Uh, anyways, hey, what yeah. the hell? You only live once, right? Yeah, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll see you there. I'll, I'll let you know where to where to show up. Great, for sure. You'll pick me up at the airport, right? Yeah, just just stand. Uh, uh, I I have a, I have a place called Uber, so just stand by the thing that says Uber, okay. and I'll I'll sure. just roll up and uh, I'll definitely get you and bring you to our our live show in Dallas. All right, <sighs> we got ten minutes left here. How's this for a segue? We just finished talking about John Tavares signing a $16 million deal. Speaking of max deals. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doe. Montreal Canadiens. Domi Mike. Max Domi for Alexander Galchenyuk. One for one deal. No retained salary, nothing. Old fashioned hockey trade, kind of. Old fashioned bad hockey trade for the Montreal Canadiens, yeah, not, baby. Not good reviews for, for Montreal. <laughs> I just. Like I've I, I I'm 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 just so like I cannot wait for like July third when I can just kind of shut down hockey for a couple of weeks and and just put my feet up and not think about hockey because it's the most exhausting sport to think about because like I understand that like you know like Garth Snow got fired right and he was there forever and 
he made some moves and, you know, you, 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 you can see the logic in some of the moves that didn't work out. And maybe he was handcuffed for a while there because ownership wasn't spending money. And so maybe his record could have been better if, but then there's like some GMs like, like Dale Talon and like Mark Bergevin and like, they make these moves that are just so bad that everybody knows the moves are bad at the moment and they work out bad. They don't, they don't, it's not as though Mark Bergevin like saw an opening that no one else saw and like, oh, Shea Weber had 61 goals last year. Who knew that was going to, like, no, it's, it's obviously bad and it's bad. And he keeps making these deals and no one's stopping him. I don't understand how he's allowed to still make these trades. The thing that gets me with Mark Bergevin is it feels like he keeps talking himself into having to trade guys. Yeah. He just decides I got to move PK Subban and then he does the best he can. But, you know, he gets... 80 cents on the dollar or whatever it is, which you do that enough times, it doesn't, doesn't really work out. I mean, he, Max Domi is, he's not, I mean, he's a little bit younger, not enough that it would really make a difference, but he's cheaper and he's under team control for another extra two years. So there's a benefit in that sense. If, if Domi is almost as good as Galchenyuk, then the deal probably works out for Montreal. It's one of those things. He's freeing up cap space. Who knows what he's going to do with the cap space? If we're sitting here two weeks from now and he just signed John Tavares, we're going to say, oh, that was brilliant because he he managed to, to shave off enough space to go out and get his, his number one center. But if he just has gone out and got four more Jordy Benz, then I don't know. <laughs> I don't, you know, like, Benz. <laughs> it, I just, it's, it's what's crazy to me is the Canadians keep trading guys and they never get a center back. Nope. They keep making, I mean, Never. you know, that's, and they've needed this for years. Everybody's said number one center and they, tra- you know, Subban was a different situation, but everybody said, would you trade Mikhail Sergachev for a number one center? No, we're not going to move him. We're not going to move. Oh, we just traded him, but it was for a winger or a guy who is certainly not a proven center in Jonathan Druin. And now here's another one. Alex Galchenyuk, will you play him at center? No, we won't play him at center. Would you trade him for a center? Uh, maybe. Oh, we just traded him for another unproven guy who might be able to play center but is probably a wing and now we're going to go down the road with max pacioretty presumably and do the same it's great the same dance it's so great it's just so and every time mark bergeron picks up the phone for max pacioretty everyone's going to say well we just saw a 30 goal scorer winger get traded for mikhail bodker so yeah but nobody can nobody can apply that to the max pacioretty situation right because that's just too different like max pacioretty's girlfriend or wife isn't like if i got mark bergeron on the other end of the phone i'm trying (laughs) Pretty much anything. <laughs> I'm not ruling anything out. And by the way, they could have gotten a center for PK Subban if they wanted to. They could have gotten anything they wanted for PK Subban. They chose to get Shea yeah. Weber. You can't tell me there was no market for PK Subban two years ago. There's no, it's insane. Ah, uh, God. So I don't. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I don't think it's the terrible deal that that some are making it out to be, but. Yeah, it's. Uh... It reminds me of the tail not 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 in terms of quality, but it reminds me of the Taylor Hall Adam Larson trade. Where at the time we all knew it was bad, but like I thought it could work out in a way where obviously you'd always want Taylor Hall over over Adam Larson, but maybe like in a way it kind of did. Where the, the Oilers were good for one year with Larson, even though it really wasn't Adam Larson. Where you can kind of rationalize like, hey, that was a piece we needed for blah blah blah. We need yeah. defensemen, but here you, you, there's not even that. There's not even like that. Right. Well, we're, we're desperate for wingers situation. The Oilers made a bad trade that they probably felt like they had to make because they needed a defenseman. It'd be like if they traded Taylor Hall, and they're like, we didn't want to give up Taylor Hall, but everybody has known for years we needed a defenseman. And you're like, but 
the guy you just traded for is a goalie. And yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. Well, it's close. That was close. But he might be able to play defense. Who knows? It's like a, def- it's like a defenseman in big pads. It's, it's even better yeah. than a defenseman. It's great. It's a great. So I don't know. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Pacioretty and whether he does get traded, whether what they can kind of value they can get. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Galchenyuk had worn his, uh, his welcome. I'm not... I'm not saying you you don't trade him if you've made up your mind. I mean, obviously, there's lots of stuff internally that goes on in organizations we don't know about, but I don't know. And they sure stuck a knife in him on the way out, too. Oh, yeah. With the comments about, yeah. you know, you, you have to want to work. It. And you have to want to play this. center. You have to want to work at it. Boy, fuck. That's just an unbelievable situation in Montreal, man. Like, I just... Oh, God. But, yeah, but like, I mean, I don't necessarily, to, to just put a cap on it, I don't necessarily feel like Arizona is the place that's guaranteed to have a guy work out in a trade based on what they've done the last couple of years. It's not like Nick no. Chalmerson went there and suddenly became, like, as good as he was in Chicago or better. He's been kind of worse. Um, you know, Alex Goligoski hasn't done anything since they got him. Like, it's not, it's not like Arizona is this, like, hotbed for, like, talented players to come there and get better or like realize their potential but i'd rather have galchenyuk every day of the week so just I don't know. what is it the atlantic division man if if the tampa bay lightning can't win a cup in this division you're <laughs> going up against montreal ottawa <laughs> the sabers the florida panthers like detroit's like the fourth best run organization by yeah, Ken Holland and like it, uh, like is Boston really good or is this Boston just the third best team in the or, division? Or are they just the like Atlantic Division terrible? good? Like, yeah. you ever wonder that? I, I was wondering that this week when I was writing something. I'm going through and I'm like, like man, like there's clearly three teams that are better than the other five in this division. But like Boston, like we all thought Boston was going to be bad last year, and suddenly they kind of like stumbled into a hundred plus points, and like we all were just like, oh, I guess they were better than we thought. But like, were they though? I don't know. I don't know. The mailbag. We have a few, we have a couple minutes left. And I said during the break we were talking, yes. and I said, you know, we haven't talked about the draft, and the draft is this week. So I'll find the draft question in the mailbag. And there's, there's no one, no one wants to talk about the draft. No one has any draft questions. Because no. you know why? It's because this is that beautiful part of the year. Like the draft, it's Tuesday. The draft's on Friday. That feels like months away. Like even the Barry Trotz thing was like jaw dropping yesterday, and it already kind of feels like, eh. And by the time people hear this, something else will have happened, and they'll be like, what, Hoffman still? I know. But, like, the draft so, is always, like, just the backdrop for, like, cool stuff to happen. There's, like, the first three or four picks, and then it's, like, trades. That's all anyone cares about. So everyone knows, like, everyone knows Darlene's going to Buffalo, and we pretty much have the, the first four picks set. So unless, like, Montreal trades their pick or Edmonton does something, like, there's no real... Yeah, it's not, yeah. there's not a lot of, of like, drama intrigue. around the draft, but it's, yeah, it's it's the trades and everything and getting everyone in the same the same place. We got the awards tomorrow night. Oh yeah, the awards. We never did our Which, awards. Eh, who cares? No one, no one cares what we think about the awards, right? I'll, Do that. I'll post my awards somewhere. You can come yell at me, but well, or, or they'll get posted for me because this is. <laughs> I guess that'll be the one interesting thing. Will be whether you know, in addition to seeing who wins the awards, be whether like we, any of those ballots actually turn out to be like the crazy ballot where, you know, you you see the award and you're like, wait a second, somebody gave Mitch Marner. Uh, selkie vote and then you can find it you'll actually be able to find out who and go chase them boy every yeah. every every mailbag question by the way is everything we've covered already and, and everyone wanted to talk about the ottawa senators of course the ottawa senators podcast is going to do the ottawa senators stuff here i'll do one question because it's kind of funny from adam foreman 
who goes by Abe Froman on his on his actual uh, handle. If the Leafs hired actors for their promotional video for John Tavares, for those of you that don't know, apparently they're doing a promotional video like, hey, come to Toronto type thing. Uh, Adam wants to know who would play Kyle Dubas, assuming there's actors. Who's who's going to play the role of Kyle <laughs> Dubas? Why would they hire actors to play people they have? That'd be funny though. <laughs> they have access to. Yeah, there was there was this report that the Leafs were doing this uh, this video, which I assume is just going to be the Wendell Clark All Heart video from YouTube, just on a loop like ten times, and then Clark punches a hole in the wall and comes in holding a contract and a pen. Sign it, brother. Um, and Tavares is like, I'm not actually allowed to sign till July, and they. Clark just bounces his head off the table and <laughs> who does Dubas signs it. Who does Dubas look like? Who's famous? Who's like, I don't know. You got to like I I see like two movies a year, so I my my pop culture database stopped growing in like 1996. So you got to <laughs> help me. Here. I, I saw a picture of Kevin Connolly, E from Entourage, because he he did the Gotti movie everyone's making fun of, and he kind of has that look a little bit because his hair's dark. But I mean, I don't know. Like let's 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 let Jake Gyllenhaal play. Play Kyle Davis in the Jake Gyllenhaal's a chameleon. He can do anything. Matt Damon's. A I'm gonna go too Matt old. Damon. Matt Damon's You're like that, 50. Kyle? Matt Damon's old. He went. Now. He went entourage. I gave you Matt Damon. So if you're looking for uh, <laughs> looking for someone to leak the Tavares signing to, uh, Jason Bateman maybe. How about Jason Bateman? He's got a maybe. I'm just trying to think of white guys with short dark hair. That's 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 all I'm doing. Any anyone from the movie Dunker could could be could be Kyle Dubas, I guess. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, I, I wish we could do more mailbag questions, but I, I believe we've we've we hit most of the mailbag questions for the first fifty eight minutes. So so you should be you should be satisfied, as Teddy KGB would say. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll set you up for free agency. We'll we'll laugh about all the trades that have been made in the last six days, seven days between these two podcasts. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say. We've, we are, we we already pitched the live show that that Sean will be there for theoretically. Can't wait. That'll be great. Yeah, you just let me know. Like no one sent me anything on what to do, but um, <laughs> let me know. And uh, yeah, Sean, pre-order Sean's book. It's still in the pre-order phase, right? You got a lot of pre-orders. Pre-order. Oh yeah, yeah, it doesn't come out till till October. So pre-order, pre-order the hell out of Sean. Come come to come to the Dallas live show that Sean may or may not be involved in. And um, that's it. We'll see you next week. And thanks for, to Mitch, our, our producer, who I never thank at the end of shows, so I think I should. He's great, and he's awesome, and uh, he does a lot of good stuff to hook us up. And uh, that's it. That's that's it. That's I'm, I'm done. I'm done selling everything. Uh, goodbye, and be great. Uh, see you in a week. Enjoy the week. It's going to be crazy. should be fun. Talk to you next week.